Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so it's game week 24 in the middle of the season. Mo penalises non-owners once more and those holding up patiently were left face-palming while those taking the risks to get him in came up trumps. To talk about risks today and many other FPL things besides, I'm joined by Nick. You alright, mate? Hey Tom, yep, I'm in pretty decent spirits, uh, trying to avoid those uh, January blues. I'm I'm enjoying life and uh, enjoying FPL as well. Uh, just to say, of course, who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at wgta underscore fpl, and you can use Spotify, SoundCloud, or whatever you'd like to listen and subscribe. So yeah, this week um, I'll be talking over risk profiles using hits as a proxy for risk appetite, which is something we like to look at at least once every year. Um, I believe you've also put up a Twitter poll as well, haven't you, Tom? Yeah, uh, we've got almost 2,000 responses to our poll earlier on. Uh, so we'll say what percentage of the Twitter population share of particular profile traits and also give some stories both from our from their testimonies and our own experience to uh, reflect these kind of different risk profiles you'll bring up. Uh, features and questions will follow as always. Yeah, and I think um, I've got a little bit of analysis of yourself, Tom, and the hits that you've taken this season, which should be uh, should be very interesting when we get down to it in a little bit. But um, we'll oh, save that for later. We'll save that for later. Let's start with the uh, the game week reviews quickly. Um, just to say, we are recording during the Manchester City Wolves um, second half, but we don't actually have any players involved with um, just Doherty sort of sitting on the bench for both of us. So, um, if you want to start, then Tom, how did you get on? Yeah, I've got 51. No matter what I do, it's never enough, Nick. It's like one week I you know, take a hit to bring a player in, take a risk. The next week I uh, listen to the advice, which is good advice. It's all, you know, I'm not blaming anybody. It was my um, my decision to not do anything. But listen to the advice, held on. Well, Bamian completely absent with the captaincy against uh, West Ham with nothing there. Uh, Fabianski got me a nine-pointer. Uh, Luca Dean with his 12-pointer really saved the game week to some extent. But, you know, it's kind of a treading water for me at the moment. Really poor. I'm not getting anywhere. Uh, so accordingly with this particular podcast and talking about my hits, I've already taken a minus eight, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I've decided to pull. I've pulled the plaster. Um, so Kane, who hobbled off at the end, has gone. Um, Martial has gone. Alonso's gone and Fabianski's gone in their place. Efridge comes in goal. Uh, Van Dyke comes in at the back for Liverpool kind of cover. I do have reasoning for why I bought Van Dyke, but we'll leave that until later. Salah comes in for Martial and Rashford comes in for Kane. So I was at 0.0 on Sunday. None of my players have any midweek action. So I thought, yeah, I'll just go for it now. I'll sort it out. Can't live without Salah in my team anymore. Um, I've just had enough of it, really. How about you, Nick? How did you do? I know you were pretty happy with, with yourself last night. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I got 74 points. Um, so it looks like quite a big green arrow uh, for me, for sure. Um, there, was, there was a fire in Cairo. Salah captaincy delivered again. Um, Luca Dean got me 12 points. Uh, Fabianski got me nine. Robertson got me nine as well. Um, AWB even managed to pick up a few bonus points despite conceding twice. And also a couple of assists from Hazard and Pogba that helped to uh, contribute to the to total. So yeah, looking pretty good. Another green arrow, um, top 50k. Um, so yeah, I'm quite happy with that and uh, how the season's uh, progressing for me. Yeah, you've had a, a very good time of it, haven't you, since kind of uh, that kind of crossroads uh, back in November, December mm. time. Uh, right, let's move on to the talking point, man. It is risk profiles. And we, we look at this once every season, don't we? And it was something that you looked at last year from your kind of financial services background. We both work in that industry. Slightly different jobs, but yeah, that, that's kind of what we do. And, uh, you know, risk appetite is something that you're quite interested in, isn't it? When we look at risk appetite in FPL, we're looking at kind of how many hits that you've taken if you're a cautious player and don't take many hits or if you're an aggressive player and you, you like to take regular hits, minus fours, minus eights, in anticipation that the player you're going to be bringing is going to provide you that reward and significantly outscore the player that's being replaced by at least four points. Um, and, and we actually said it last year, I was looking through my notes from last year, and I said it last year that risk takers were often punished. Um, Kane Exeter's were hit by a double hat-trick and Salah Exeter's um, were hit by a return straight away. And again, this year, I feel like um, some of the risk takers have been punished yet again, much uh, to the likes of yourself, Tom, and um, selling Mo Salah, and then he got a hat-trick straight away. But I, I guess with, with risk... When we talk about the financial industry, um, you, see, you see sort of conservative investors, they, they tend to play it safe. They kind of invest in sort of funds and, and just kind of watch it grow. Whilst if you're an aggressive investor, you might play a little bit more dangerously and invest in volatile assets, um, you know, cryptocurrencies perhaps or, or Bitcoin. And then you can see massive gains, but you can also see massive losses. So it's, it is a highly dangerous strategy but um this sort of risk profiling as we said can be applied to fpl and um in order to do this we, we asked on twitter didn't we for people to count the total amount of hits that they've taken this season and, and based on this and um, we were going to categorize them within a certain risk profile definitely like personality does play a role in it like i you you always get a bit annoyed don't you when i say oh you're a bit more of a conservative player than me and um, but it's to your benefit really that, that continues to happen for you like it seems to have worked out these last couple of seasons for us uh without going on too long and drawing everyone into a lullaby like over the last two seasons my uh my, my more laissez-faire approach hasn't really been working has it nick i know you've had a look at our uh our hits this season and you're about to hit me with some knowledge which is going to make me very upset yeah, we'll be uh, covering you in a little bit, but I thought um, it might be good for us to go through the different categories and then look at the different examples. And we'll get we'll get to you when we reach the uh, the end categories, just to, oh. just to keep you in a lull for a little bit longer, perhaps. Shall we start, though, Tom, with cautious risk takers? So these are people who have only taken zero to four hits so far this season, up to 16 points in total. So... Players with, I guess, a cautious risk profile, they're less likely to gamble too much with their portfolio. They're more likely to sit tight and keep faith in the players they've invested in, even if they're going for a poor patch. A couple of examples, key examples that really benefited the cautious investors this season have been Salah and Robertson. Hanging on to those guys, despite a bit of a lull in the mid-season, has really paid off as they've continued to deliver points, especially in the second half of the season so far. But then other players, perhaps the cautious investor should have sold by now. Um, one key player actually 
that um, I'm using as an example in this case is, is Marcus Alonso. I've always practiced and preached patience with this guy to a certain extent, but maybe it was time to get rid of him. And if you were, you know, if you did take that um, gamble and sold him like you have now, Tom, perhaps you could have sold him to a Luca Dean or, um, you know, TAA and invested two million back into your midfield. You, you would be sitting quite pretty right now. Watching the Chelsea game, actually, I think David Luiz was the one that I actually really liked. Some of the balls he was picking were absolutely fantastic. Um, but in terms of the social media poll, Nick, for the, the cautious risk taker, the majority of people claimed to be this. 43% of people said they were cautious risk takers, had taken four hits or below this season. At Floyd Matty, Matt said, you need to pick your battles when you need to, which is certainly something that people in this category fall into. So Josh from Always Cheating and James from Planet FPL, shout out to the podders, um, have both embraced patience this season. It's really worked out for them. Um, um, you mentioned a minute ago that um, patience can sometimes actually not be the best thing. So Rich Nyquist, our friend, uh, he was doing very, very well earlier on, said that he was patient um, with everything that he did, but his patience saw him miss out on buying Salah back and United Hall was amongst others. So, you know, it's, it's definitely a case of stable management um, versus take it, taking risks, as you said, like being careful with your portfolio. And like, do, do you think this is a style of management which has gained ascendancy this season? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I did some analysis of some of the players at the top, it was actually quite surprising how few hits that they'd taken. Um, I looked at Magnus Carlsen, who's um, sitting in 111th at the moment, for instance. He's only taken one hit so far this season. Um, Number one in the world as well has only actually taken three hits um, this season. So they would fit into this category right now. But I guess sometimes... With these guys, you have to look at it to a certain extent that in what you know what's not broke, um, don't fix it essentially. And if it, and the number one in the world scored 127 in week and 96 in um, week two, and I, I think if I was in that situation, I wouldn't be in too much of a risk to to take hits as well. Um, other people on Twitter, FPL Bjorn's an example, someone doing very well, about 3.5k in the world, and hasn't taken a single hit all season, which I thought was quite impressive. So um, these guys have sort of sat with their original team seen them perform brilliantly from the start and now sitting very comfortably not having taken um taken many hits yeah exactly i think a lot of the time kind of as people who do this sort of thing we do tend to sit on the side of caution don't we like when we're advising other people like a lot of the time what i say is oh you've got a good 11 there and um, you know you can you rely on at least you know one the sack or something come off your bench just roll that extra transfer or do that and it seems like people are kind of becoming more and more aware of it. i think last year most people were uh, in the five plus risk section. So it's interesting to see people move towards kind of cautious play. And maybe it's just the case that things have been so up in the air, apart from a few individuals that has forced people to just kind of stick with it. Like Neil Murray said that he had a very, very good start, for example. And then since then, as you said, it, it hasn't been broken, so he hasn't had to fix it. Um, so yeah, very well done to people who have uh, managed to exercise caution. And for those people it's worked out for, I suppose. But should we move into the more dangerous kind of Yeah, thing? so the so next category is, is the moderate risk takers. These are people who have taken sort of five to eight hits so far this season, um, up to 32 points, 20 to 32 points um, worth of hits taken so far. So these players with, I guess, a moderate risk profile will take some gambles, but also often have a number of heavy hits as highly owned players within their squad. They're most likely captains of Kane and Salah, I guess, but uh, maybe tempted by the odds differential captain every so often. Some players... Uh, took a gamble at the beginning of the season to bring in Sterling. It had ridiculously low ownership around game week four. And um, taking that gamble, for instance, at the beginning of the season, which would be the action of a moderate risk taker, would have uh, propelled many uh, managers right up to the top 
um, top 50k or so from his uh, back-to-back return. So there's, there's a few people in this category, including myself, actually, Tom. I'm in this category as a moderate risk taker with 24. You you were technically in this category, but and having taken a minus eight, I've reclassified you oh, for, fair the enough. Next, for the next section. Yeah, I know um, we've got a few other people. Chris, FPO, awesome. He's taken 24 points worth of hits so far. He's had a great, He's having a great season as well. So, yeah, lots of people are falling into this category. Yeah, absolutely. It's the first two percent, so the second most fallen into category. Um, Andy from Let's Talk FPL and Tom from FPL Centre, for example, both have taken seven. But Andy mentions that you know back in 2016-17, he took 24 hits, and that was his best ever finish. So it's going to do well, even if you do take a lot of hits. I guess is what he means. Yeah, I mean, I did a little bit of analysis on my own hits this season. I think my first one was in game week three, where I brought in Richarlison, Alonso, and. David Silva and Richarlison got himself sent off but um, an 11 pointer from Alonso still managed to make it a decent trade but most of my um, hits haven't actually paid off to be honest you know I've been sort of doing a bit of premium ping pong like for instance in game week 21 when I brought in Hazard and he he proceeded to blank I think Sané and I sold Sané who returned in game week 13 I was sort of moving around Sam Vokes in and out. And, you know, there was a few dodgy trades that were going on around that point. Um, game week 12 was a minus four, bringing in Manny and Vokes, Madison and Mitrovic. And that was actually when I hit a little bit of a slump, um, which mm. I've managed to pull myself out of more recently. So, yeah, I think definitely when you, sometimes when you take a hit, you, you get that kick and you have to take another hit to sort out your previous hit and it can uh, result in in too many mistakes in a row happening and um, losing out on quite a few points, especially if you kind of, you know, get yourself into a spiral to a certain extent and just keep trying to take hits to, ch- to chase those points. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. They are very Moorish, as the Joe from FFS has said. And I've actually got a stat for you, Nick. Did you know that I have more game weeks where I've done nothing than you do? So uh, you've actually only got six game weeks where you haven't made a transfer, whereas I've got eight. Um, which is quite interesting, really, if you think about it in terms of like the fact that I've probably take, lost more points and hits. But there have there have kind of been times when you've been perhaps more knee jerky with moves like the Vokes move, perhaps like taking him in and out, which, uh, as you said, were happening a lot more when you had your slump. And now when you've relaxed on it a little bit and you're able to roll the transfer of a strong team like this week, you kind of gone through that period. Like, do you think that sometimes you do have to go through a period of taking a lot of hits to just get back? on the front foot, as it were, and maybe to catch up with other people in their leagues who have key players in situ. Do you think that's a good strategy? Um, to, to a certain extent. I mean, you have to assess really the quality of the hits. If you have a bad game week, you start to focus and look at the differentials to try and catch yourself up. And then you bring in those differentials and then surprise, surprise, those differentials aren't picked or they don't play or they perform badly. And, and you wonder why you brought this person in and then you you take out that differential to, to bring in another differential. And you often see those players all in and out of your team very quickly. And I think that's what I, I meant when I started talking about going into a hit spiral as in you're you're taking hits you're taking more gambles you're looking at riskier assets um you know I think like Kevin De Bruyne for example for yourself trying to to think oh this guy might be you know a good pick for my team when in fact he's not in form and and there were much better options out there at the time I've got a new strategy really to to sort this all out which is different from that strategy um I completely I kind of went down the KDB road, didn't I? And then I kind of started thinking, this is what I did last year. Remember with Alexis Sanchez and all that kind of rubbish. So I, I had a bit of an epiphany through making that over-optimistic move, shall we say, uh, which I'm going to explain in a minute. But you know, on the subject of uh, unnecessary hits hurting you, I believe you've got my numbers in the next category. 
I have. So we're going to start talking about aggressive risk takers. Um, and these are players that have taken up to nine to 14 hits in the season, up to sort of 36 to 56 points oh. lost because of hits. And um, you fall into this category now with your 40 uh, points worth of hits taken. Um, another person who falls into it is um, our good friend from our Slack group, uh, Neil Gupta, who's also taken 40 points worth of hits. And um, so a player with an aggressive risk profile, more likely to take chances on high-risk assets. This could be a player who is a differential, perhaps isn't in the template, but could easily see you make huge gains. And I guess um, examples from this season can can include the aforementioned KDB and also Robert Firmino. They're more likely to make early transfers in order to gain value, even if it is breaking the Austin rule. Um, aggressive players will do the analysis, look at the players in questions, know there is a chance that the player they are selling could haul, but are willing to hedge their bets on a punt that the replacement will do better than the player they are selling. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, uh, what, what are the numbers then, Nick? Do I want to take my headphones out for you? Maybe, yeah, maybe you should take <laughs> your, your headphones out. But um, actually, you're doing all right for hits, um, Tom, actually, up until game week six. So that was the first hit you took um, of the season. I think it's perhaps because you, you did an early wild card as well. Um, and this was um, a swap to Pedro and Aubameyang left your team. Uh, I think Aubameyang ended up hauling for a couple of game weeks after this. One, yeah, actually. he did. Um, and Hazard and uh, Mitrovic came in. But um, you actually broke even in terms of your hit that game week because uh, Pedro... And Orbit, Orbit didn't do anything. So you got um, 11 points um, as opposed to the seven that you would have got. So a, an even break there. In um, in game week seven, you then took another hit. And I, I think it was another sensible one, actually. It was a bit more tidying. You were getting rid of the injured Mendy. You, you were sending Tom Kearney. He wasn't doing anything. And you brought in Matt Doherty and uh, Richardson, who I think are both still in your team. So, you know, a great move on paper. Doherty got you 12 points that week. And it was um, a plus 10 um, points overall in terms of that transfer, which which kind of made sense at the time and, and looks pretty good, right? Um, so yeah, not not too bad so far. Uh, <laughs> after that, uh, game week fifteen. So yeah, big gap again. So game week fifteen, uh, Anderson and Aubameyang came in for Martial and uh, Aguero, uh, but it was actually a really poor game week for you this time round. You, you only got four points from those guys and uh, you got a game week rank of 4.7 million and, and Martial actually picked up seven points. So you left in um, a seven point deficit after that hit, uh, uh, which yeah. is unfortunate. And I think this was a sort of downward spiral because <laughs> after this, this is the uh, the famous game week 16 where your season basically became unraveled. This one, you sold Robertson, uh, Mo Salah and uh, Marco Anatovic and brought in Alexander Arnold, Sane and, and Kane. Mm. Um, and TAA didn't play. Um, Sane got one point. Kane got one point. Meanwhile, Salah got a hat trick, and, uh, <laughs> and Rob- Robertson got eleven oh points against Bournemouth. <laughs> it was so depressing to hear. And that was a that was a forty point mistake. Oh, so by those transfers, where you took a minus eight as well, he got punished by forty points in total. Absolutely. Um, yes, and not good at all. But I think you got put off hits for a little bit at least then with the game week 19 was your next one Fabianski for Edison uh, De Bruyne for Sterling and and Martial for Kennedy so kind of differential territory again they're experimenting um, but three from Fabianski two from KDB and I think Martial was sick actually that game yeah he was yeah, I got a Wan-Bissaka off the bench for a clean sheet yeah I mean luckily the, yeah luckily the players you sold didn't do much either so Sterling blanked at least so you ended up just sort of like I mean, including the Wambasaki kind of points, you ended up kind of breaking even or minus two overall. But, uh, you know, but yeah, not great. And then uh, your final hit, 
excluding this one, was in Game Week 21. Uh, Pogba for De Bruyne, which kind of made sense, I guess, at the time, and Hazard um, for Sane. But Hazard and Pogba actually proceeded to blank, and, and Sane, of course, scored that week. So <laughs> it was a 10-point mistake, that one. Yeah, so it's 52, 54 points yeah, lost, yeah, is it? Yeah, about that, yeah. 54. Oh, my yeah. God. So depressing, isn't it? Like, take it. I, I don't know. It's, it's like the... I try to laugh about it, but it's it's it's, it's quite annoying, isn't it? That if you take if you take risks, um, it's definitely something that can happen. Like um, you know, Mark Sovens, for example, fits in this territory as well. Nine hits taken, but he's on much better manager than I am. A few people who have also mentioned uh, in the, they're in this category, uh, Miss WP and Stu Lord, they both burnt forty eight and fifty two respectively. They say, you know, circumstances, FOMO and price chasing are what kind of gets them going. Uh, same with Andrew Yee and Machier. Um, you know, they've taken that, that, that amount of hits. And they don't see it as points burnt. They see it as kind of doing a better example uh, than the players that they've sold. Um, and, yeah, I think I definitely with, with Salah, I think I uh, definitely miscalculated that one, so the very least. And, uh, yeah, a few other people have said, you know, for example, if the player gets injured or whatever, they're sometimes forced into hits, which is more kind of fair enough. But, yeah, getting them wrong this year has been... My Achilles healed to some extent, hasn't it? Um, and in fact, you know, in in the past, I think I had a much better, better sense of when to just uh, when to take hits and bite the bullet. And last year, what I did at this point was take hits, but take hits for differentials. And as you noted, I started to do that again with Martial and KDB. So I've kind of moved away from that path. And the the, the kind of whole idea now is just template armor against uh, people in my area. So you know, down at 500k or whatever horrible rank I am now, I'm guessing that having more template players and other people will be better for me. I've got like most of the high-performing players in my team now, and hopefully that will uh, see me come to light over the next kind of three or four weeks. But I want to say it's the first time I've really looked at my team and felt happy with it. And I should have just reversed the most Salah move a lot earlier. But I was trying to stick to my strategy. And you know, sometimes it's just about you know, a good manager, I guess, would judge that it's not really working and to get rid of it. And I think I stayed on that for far too long. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes it, it's about maintaining composure. I think you you had a lot of composure actually to not bring in Mo Salah the last few weeks after his his holes. I'd have been tempted to just transfer him straight back in and get rid of the players that you brought in, but you, you resisted to a certain extent, um, which um, I guess may, may, means that you didn't fall into the, ne- the next category that I think we're going to briefly talk about, which is the um, extreme risk taker. And these are players that have taken fifteen plus hits so far this season. Um, 60 plus points in total lost overall and anyone anyone who's taken 15 plus hits this season would have would have done at least 36 transfers this season excluding the wild card and therefore has been interchanging with the squad pretty constantly pretty regularly one blank for their players and they're out there form players may not even find themselves safe as if they have a bad fixture or bad game or whatever they, they're straight out and and these these players are kind of point chasers and they've got a bit of an addiction to hits um, and transfers and it can often end up sadly to the detriment of the team but can also help um, build uh, money for the second half of the season when you've got that second world card they might have a lot of money um, saved up by that point yeah exactly uh, i've got to mention that 16 percent of people were in my uh my demographic and <laughs> just 10 percent of people are self-proclaimed extreme risk takers with a couple willing to come forward here uh one is fpl classico he's taken 19 hits so far he tried playing conservatively but it didn't sue him took a 20 point hit two weeks ago and bought in a uh, pog has and son as part of that a 20 pointer and he gained 43 points from doing that so he's got lots of uh, lots of cash in the bank now and wouldn't play any other way uh, but I think a lot of the time, extreme risk takers, they are 
people who are in their debut season. Uh, for example, Stino wrote him that it's his first season. He took 48 points of worth of hits in the first 10 game weeks alone. Uh, but he's tried to slow it down recently and he's gone from 1.5 million to 300k through uh, not bleeding those points every week. Uh, so yeah, quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of examples of of players. I think in in the more conservative categories, there are a few like myself who can't help ourselves. But it definitely seems that you know, with with seventy five percent of people who responded to our poll saying that they've taken less than eight hits this season, um, it kind of seems like that's kind of path of the course. Maybe six, seven, something like that would be kind of bang average, wouldn't it, Nick? Of active players, I guess. Yeah, yeah, probably about that amount. And I think this season we've actually been quite lucky as well in terms of injuries. We haven't really seen too many injuries to those premium assets, the likes of Hazard, Sterling, Salah, you know, Sane, Kane up until now, um, all of Bamiyang as well. All of them have generally stayed fit for the entire season. None of them have been dropped too heavily or missed too many games. Um, and the same with some of the premium defenders. A lot of us have basically had template defence um, for quite a while now and haven't really had to to make too many changes as, as the defenders have stayed in form. And, and I think that's sort of helped to a certain extent in terms of reducing the hit counts. But then there has been like sort of interchanges of all the premium assets and which ones to bring. So I can understand the opposite end of the scale where people are, you know, chasing those points because you, you bring in Hazard and, and Sterling will get a brace and you bring in Sterling and then, you know, Ramiang or Kane will get a brace and you're just constantly shifting and rotating. But I don't necessarily think with all the minus fours that rack up on the back of that, that it, for me, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's the best strategy personally. No, definitely no. I think, you know, with each, with each minus four, if you look at it individually, the player that you're bringing in has to score, what, seven points, isn't it, for you to get a positive benefit out of that? If four points are lost and then two points on top of that for appearance, and they've got, they've got to do something else to eat up the hit and then something else for you to get, like, a positive. So it's like a goal and one bonus point for a striker, a goal for a midfielder and a clean sheet and a bonus point for a defender. Like, that's, that's quite a lot, actually, to ask for. And sometimes, you know, taking taking hits, I think the mechanism, what that's for, is just to try to get yourself back on track to some extent. Like, I think it can kickstart your season. Like, if you are doing very well, like, definitely be conservative, be cautious, and definitely preach that outwards. But if you're not doing particularly well, sometimes you've, it can be a good idea just to pull the plaster off. Like, as you mentioned, I went without taking a hit from Mo Salah for many weeks. And this week was the straw that broke the camel's back, really, because I left it. Uh, hoping that Aubameyang and uh, Hazard would cover, and plainly they didn't. And then uh, owners are sitting there with uh, with double digits again. So it's um, yeah, it's a t- it's a tough one. But every now and again, I think you've just got to bite the bullet. And hopefully, I've done that this week, and I've hopefully got quite a good team now. Hopefully, just uh, attack for the next kind of two or three game weeks. Yeah, definitely. And I think you're you're pretty set up as well now with Kane um, obviously injured. I think that's probably to the benefit to a certain extent in terms of trying to fit all these players into one team. Though you do have to worry about that Manchester City um, ghost behind your back. Yeah, um, I mean, we'll talk about that later. But I'm mean, I'm not particularly concerned about that to be honest. Um, but you know, it's if some people for some people if you are doing pretty well and you are kind of got a good team now and you've just got a chance to make a move with Kane's money, then I don't see why not. We'll talk about that later anyway. Now, the final bit here is about the influence of personality in it, which I think is quite important. We've spoken about that a little bit too. Uh, we Rogue said, I think this largely comes down to your personality and your risk appetite, as we've mentioned. Do you feel like you're naturally cautious and that kind of helps you with your FPL decision-making? Like A lot of the time you will just let something slide, whereas I 
be inclined to to make the move i don't even know if i would describe it as cautious i'd say i'm I'm naturally quite relaxed in terms of my situation and i'm happy to kind of to wait and see to a certain extent you know i've always i, I mean i'm i'm even keeping alonso now and i've always kind of preached um you know caution like i said if a player blanks i'm not too worried perhaps um you know i expect them to return i look at their fixtures and i think actually their, their run isn't too bad chelsea for instance they've got arsenal away and on paper that looks like a tough fixture but we all know that arsenal have been crap defensively this season haven't yeah. they so so you know it's easy a, a game where um, alonso could get a return as far as i'm concerned um, and yeah, I think sometimes as well with yourself, like I know you spend a lot more time on social media and sometimes I think that social media can have an first impact in terms of the decisions that you make because you read so much and, you know, it's an echo chamber as well. So you, you'll see, you won't see one person say, oh, it's time to get rid of Alonso. You'll see 20 people say it's time to get rid of Alonso and you'll, you'll see 20 people say it's, it's time to bring in, um, I don't know, whoever's popular this game week, a Liverpool defender and seeing it so many times does have that impact on you whilst I'm quite often too too busy to to keep up with the social media. Oh, why can't I be you? I just think that you're, you're right, though. I think you can definitely, like, subconsciously, it can definitely affect you. Like, I think there's lots of examples of people who have gone on social media for the first time and just, uh, like myself, had a pretty poor kind of debut performance. But we'll see. I mean, hopefully it will get better over the course of the season. But I think you know, for managers generally, the point of looking at this is just to think about your typology, be mindful of it. I don't think you're going to really change it. I mean, there have been a few good examples of people who have just swaps to being quite conservative but you know I wouldn't say that you're stuck in one I think that for me for example hopefully I'd like to be in Nick's category go in, in the future and have a good team it was just that because of my own self-inflicted mistakes it's taken me a while to get there but you know managers just be mindful of who you are as a person and try to um, think about that when you're taking hits like think about is this actually viable is this really gonna for the long term be beneficial to my team there are advantages and disadvantages to to both um, scenarios. I would, I would perhaps just preach patience, as I as I keep saying. You know, like often with players, you can see that they they're blank one game week, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're suddenly out of form. You know, for instance, the underlying stats with Mo Salah, they were always there for me. Um, you know, underlying stats for other players, you can see. Okay, he might have um, got a blank, but. You know, he created a lot of chances still. He, he looked aggressive. I said it actually with Luca Dean um, last game week. A lot of people were criticising him. And I said, actually, this guy's been pretty damn decent this season. You know, he's top for chances created for all defenders. Everton have a really good fixture run. And I even said it about Richarlison um, on the other side, to be fair. Um saying oh no Everton have a really good fixture and he's got decent stats but he he's the other side that he blanked and and people are still setting him off. But I always say that, you know, just, just try and look at the bigger picture as opposed to always going with the crowd or going with the market forces because the market forces um, isn't always right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's take a break there, Nick, and then we'll move on to the feature section. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? All right, so we're back and we're going to go into our feature section now. This is our weekly update of three key things. It's the market forces, the zombie league, and it's the All England team. Uh, the first thing this week is market forces, of course. So the game we just finished, the Jimenez uh, came off at half time as well, which will frustrate many people, uh, considering he's uh, he's featuring in our NTI data, isn't he, Nick? And as always, you're the man across numbers. What are you seeing? 
this game week it's United, 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 as um, Rashford and Pogba lead the way in terms of the most transferred in players um, with uh, over 190,000 transfers in for Rashford, uh, which you are part of that club and I possibly am going to be very shortly as well, and over 150,000 transfers in for Pogba. And yeah, Rashford is just absolutely smashing it, isn't he? Um, he's had uh, four goals and two assists in, in the last five games, uh, which is, you know, since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer joined the um, the management side. And he's just been brilliant. I think it's mad. It feels crazy to say that I went basically half a season without owning a Manchester United player. But it has been such a transformation, hasn't it? And with United, they've got Brighton at home, Burnley at home, Leicester away. Fulham away is their next four before Liverpool at home. That's just a, that's a really great run of fixtures, isn't it? It's definitely, I think, time to to double up on United and go with both both Rashford and Pogba in your teams. Yeah, I think so. I think those two at the price point they are is just it just becomes a bit of a no brainer, doesn't it, to buy them in? Uh, Rashford, as you've mentioned over the last kind of few game weeks, has really taken off. Like uh, already at twenty five percent ownership, and after three returns in a row, two double figure returns as well, but against Bournemouth and Newcastle, uh, with two home fixtures against Brighton and Burnley to come. Uh, you know he's in the top uh, top five at the moment for uh, attempts uh, overall. He's also top for shots on target amongst forwards with ten. And also in the top five for pen box touches. And I think the versatility of Rashford's very good as well. So people are mooting that maybe he might be a rotation risk for Lukaku. Like I think what will happen is that Rashford will play alongside Lukaku or Lukaku will be on the bench. I don't think we're going to be seeing Rashford uh, dropped out of that side anytime soon. Um, and, you know, I think some people may even be looking at him as a captaincy option versus Brighton. Yeah, definitely. I think he's definitely worth um, looking at and considering as a captain's option for sure in, in the current form that he's in. Uh, but there's another player that you've also brought in um, who's another captaincy option, and that's Mo Salah. Um, so he's, he's appearing on the market forces again um, with over 75,000 transfers in. I think managers like yourself perhaps tried to get away with one more game without him, but of course he punished yet again with an 11-point return. So that's now four double-figure returns in five game weeks. And yeah, he's, he's just absolutely smashing it. And he is he is a must-own. And it's, it's, I know he's ex- very expensive. He's, he's, I think he's now up to 13.4 million, but just um, you just have to fit this guy into your team. It's, it's not possible to cover him with Mane like people talked about at the beginning of the season. It's all about Mo. He's got the best stats and he's, he's probably the best player in the league as well. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the ownership is now what the real killer is. So anything he does, um, if you don't have him captain, is is just an absolute pain. <laughs> absolute pain. Um, so yeah, I think you know, there's a viable option to bring him in as I'm doing. I'm just going to perma-captain him, really. Have Hazard and Aubameyang as being my two kind of supports for him. But yeah, the stats are out of this world. And being without him is just uh, FPL suicide at the moment, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, the other player that you just mentioned was Jimenez. Um, and a lot of people breaking the Austin rule here, transferring in players in between days, in, in between games, aren't they, Tom? Um, he's had over 50,000 transfers in. And considering he just played a 45-minute sesh against Manchester City, it's, it's a bit of a surprise, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of people perhaps will, will be regretting that one. They're now thinking, ah, what's, is, what's going on with this guy? And the Wolves have been linked um, to strikers in, tra- in the um, transfer window as well. And I think uh, Wolves' fixtures, they're mixed. You know, they've got Leicester at home, uh, West Ham at home, Everton away. Um, then it, it's quite good after that, actually, to be fair. Newcastle, Bournemouth, Huddersfield, Cardiff. But yeah, a bit of a strange one, I guess, to see him so high in the market forces. 
but it's probably because of his quite um, kind price that he's cost 6.4 million. So, you know, he's quite cheap in that regard. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people maybe um, bring him in for Kane, for example, to mm-hmm. try to um, get those kind of midfield upgrades elsewhere. I mean, as Adam uh, Hopcroft said last week, uh, Wolves may struggle if they don't get very much space at home. So Leicester and West Ham were games that he owned him at 5.5. So he was saying, yeah, I'm leaving him and you can understand why. Um, but if you're, bringing, if you're thinking of bringing him in, maybe you'd think about that a little bit more. Um, but the fixtures are there and there is definitely basis to be buying. It's just after that 45 minutes again taken off. Maybe Nuno's going for a different team shape or something against City for damage control and maybe it'll be the him knows it'll be all right. But with them being linked to strikers in the transfer window, you've got to keep an eye on that, I suppose. Um, the final guy in the rises this week is Samir Nasri, Nick, of a new Snodgrass. Uh, after one game, one assist, he's been brought in by 47,000 managers already. I mean, West Ham's fixtures have trailed off a little. They've got Bournemouth, Wolves and uh, Liverpool in the next kind of three. So, you know, I've got Philippe Anderson. I'm keeping Philippe Anderson for the Bournemouth game. But after that, I may be kind of thinking about moving them on. They do have some decent pitches to come. 26-27 against Crystal Palace and Fulham. And 29-31, to Newcastle, Cardiff and Huddersfield. So you can definitely see a case for a long-term hold there. Nasri looks a lot fitter and a lot better than I thought he'd be after a while out. And they said during the game, he'd been playing for a month with the West Ham first team. And he looked like he was quite in the groove, didn't he, really playing with them. So, um, you know, if Arnautovic goes, it may be that he and... Uh, Felipe Anderson assumed the mantle of talisman at that club and a new Snodgrass is born, Nick, potentially. Yeah, potentially. I mean, at 5.5, he's quite kindly priced. There's not too many assets that look particularly good at that price range. So I can understand the appeal of um, you know, a shiny new player as well uh, back in the Premier League after after an absence of a few years. But um, yeah, in terms of the transfers out, a, a player that's close to me, um, Hung Min Son, sadly, uh is topping the uh, transfers out this this game week with over 260,000 transfers out, which is obviously no surprise um, as he's going away. He's on international duty now um, and not going to be back for a few game weeks at least. Um, it was more of a surprise to see so many people transferring him in, actually, uh, which was over 1,000, I think, within a few hours of the, the uh, transfer window opening again. But, uh, yeah, Son, Son's out, um, 260,000 transfers out. Um, a lot of people perhaps looking at the likes of Pogba or, or, or even Nazri and, you know, experimenting, like you said, um, with um, players around that price point. But, um, yeah, also um, the other player being quite heavily sold, actually, is, is one you opted to keep in the end, Tom, Nassau Bamiyang. Um, he's had over 100,000 transfers out. I'm considering selling him um, for Rashford. And, uh, yeah, so Arsenal have Chelsea at home up next then it's Cardiff at home Manchester City away and then Huddersfield away so you know tough fixtures but then a couple quite quite nice fixtures intertwined so makes it quite a challenging decision in terms of um, buying or selling over at this moment in time we looked very poor didn't we against West Ham they had no creativity really and Alba was out of the game I think he had one chance and that was it you, you are right like, we've got a few decent fixtures coming up the only one I'm worried about is the City away game in game week 25 but this run of six fixtures takes in Cardiff at home Huddersfield away Southampton at home and Bournemouth at home and in the blank of game week 27 um, he solves a bit of a captaincy riddle so he will um, be at home Southampton then when Mo Salah for example is away at Man United so I see why people are, people are getting rid but I I'm going to keep hold of him, I think. Um, just because he's one of those players. He's a bit like Hazard in my mind now. Like He can just kind of explode any game, but um, you know, Arsenal really needs to be in the mood and give him service. If, if he gets no service, there's nothing. If Gwen Doozy is trying to loft through balls through that go off 
the corner flag. We're not going to be uh, looking at any re- massive returns from Bamyang apart from from jamminess, basically for the time being. But I'm keeping him because I had to get rid of somebody basically, and Kane was a bit more expensive. Um, also, on people going out there, Nick, just finish off the section. You've got uh, Wilson being sold by seventy eight thousand people. Could be interesting, Wilson, if he does go to Chelsea. Six point six million for the Chelsea striker. That could be pretty good. Elsewhere on the Chelsea boys, uh, we've got Alonso sold by sixty seven thousand people now, Nick. So people are maybe moving elsewhere with him after a yet more frustration and uh, Eden Hazard 55,000 transfers out uh, what's your view on the Chelsea boys being sold um, I know they've got Arsenal up next but then they've got Bournemouth and Hel- Huddersfield in games 24 and 25 which could surely come back to haunt sellers yeah exactly I think for me this is probably another case where I, I you know preach patience and and I'm going to be actually going into that Arsenal game doubled up on um, on Chelsea players because like I said Arsenal have been pretty uh, pretty damn dreadful I'm afraid uh, uh, Tom defensively at least this season you know they're conceding constantly they conceded five against Liverpool um it's, they could easily be um hammered um by uh, by Chelsea as well potentially I'm not saying they can but you know in terms of um, goals conceded this season they're uh, they're sick um, in terms of all teams. So, you know, only Huddersfield, Southampton, Cardiff, Bournemouth, Burnley and Fulham have conceded more than them. So, you know, they haven't looked particularly strong defensively. I know um, you've had a bit of an injury crisis, but still, you know, they, you know, they, they look very fragile at the back. And um, for me, I think, you know, there's definitely the chance of attacking returns for those Chelsea boys in that game. And then, like you said, they've got Bournemouth away who have been an even poorer defence and Huddersfield at home who also look, um, you know, who are bottom of the league and in, in, in really bad shape. So I think there's the potential for attacking returns in all three of those fixtures for me, for both of those players and uh, clean sheets as well for Alonso. So for me, for me, they're still holds. Yeah, no, I get that. I think I've, I kept hazard for this uh, time period, just, you know, just, Never, never captain him, but he's going to stay. Uh, it's the ultimate test of my luck, really. Here, Nick, you're guaranteed a 15 pointer for Alonso because I've sold him now. Yep, definitely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, let's move on to the zombie league then. Uh, we're just going to quickly do this this week. This we check on the process. While well, shambling zombies run by our unspecified family members, no chips, no chances, no changes. I'm not going to update the league every week from now on. We're going to kind of do it every month or so. Um, so we did that last week. We're going to leave it for a few weeks now. But uh, Nick, how did your zombies do this week? Um, you still got any players? Um, in uh, in action, or you're all done. I've got uh, Riyad Mahrez in the in the shambling zombies, but I don't think he's actually had any game time again today. So yeah, not not great for my uh, my zombies yet again. Uh, Forty seven points, which um, is sort of par for the course, I guess, for them. Um, Salah got twenty two points, the captain, so he kind of bailed them out yet again. But apart from that, there wasn't really anything to to shout about. Apart from David Luiz, who's sort of been the the key man in defence, the best defender that I picked out of all all the bunch. You know, less said about Eric Bailly, the better, and uh, Michael Keane also getting them five points. But yeah, n- not too great again. Yeah, uh, so a similar sort of story for me. Edison, it looks like he's collecting a clean sheet for the first time in absolutely ages. Ashley Young and Pereira, uh, my key man at the back, uh, do, doing the business. But other than that, you know, De Bruyne assist just now on that own goal for Connor Cody and Captain Aubameyang not doing anything, consigns him to just 35 this week. And the final thing to catch up with is the All England team. Um, this was our team of fully English assets, uh, based on the halcyon days of uh, its coming home during last uh, last summer. 
All right, this week, uh, Captain Kane, um, so unfortunately it didn't really work out, but Raheem Sterling has got an assist for one of the uh, for, for the penalty this evening. Other than that, Alexander-Arnold, Pickford and Wan-Bissaka got the points this week, but just the 40 for them. It's Luke Shaw on the bench of eight points. We played Trippier um, over over Luke Shaw and uh, Craig Cathcart as well, third on the bench of six points. Okay, uh, let's take a break there, guys, and move on to the community session. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Unique New York. <laughs> So we're back and it's uh, time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. If you haven't joined the league already, the code is 516-441. So yeah, um, well, it's it's tough to provide a full update at the moment, obviously with the Manchester City game still going on. Uh, But looks like it's it's still the Mendigos at the the top of the league. Um, Salvo Ibarra, who got 80 points um, this game week. Brilliant score yet again for him. And, uh, yeah, up to 28th overall rank, which is pretty damn brilliant. You know, Salah captain, Luca Dean, double Liverpool defence, which is, is, you know, a great call. Um, So he got nine points from Fabianski, nine from Robertson, six from TAA. Dean got him 12, Salah got him 22, Rashford seven, Hazard five, Pogba five. You know, looks like an absolutely brilliant team on paper. So, yeah, well done, Salva. But he's got a few people on his tail. Um, he's got uh, Chris McCartney just behind him. He's on uh, 64 points uh, this game week with a Hazard captaincy that perhaps, you know, no no Salah in his team, but, you know, pretty decent otherwise. Luca Dean, Robertson, Fabianski again. Um, Sane as well for Manchester City. So, yeah, pretty decent score. And, um yeah, you've got Alex um, Suarez, LFC as well, just behind him as well, um, with a Salah 22, Luca Dean um, again, and TAA and Fabianski, um, a lot of the same players up there. But yeah, well done. Well done, those guys. Um, Scott Martin with B in fourth and Nate Thomas, Adida, Oscar in fifth, making up the top five at this moment in time. Uh, yeah, well done, guys. Well done. All right, let's move on to the questions then this week. First one is from Deepak, um, who asks, if we tend to stick with the plan or go with form the most. So he was saying he was planning to sell Felipe Anderson this week, but saw enough in performance to suggest he'll be a good one. So he's kind of decided to veer, veer from his plan after seeing with the eye test that the player looks like he could uh, really perform against Bournemouth. Um, Nick, do you want to go first then? Do you tend that we spoke about your caution a little bit already, perhaps, or your relaxation a little bit? Um, do you tend to go with form or do you tend to stick with your plan when you're deciding your transfers? I think you definitely have to consider form. I think form is really important when you're you're deciding your transfers. It's all well and good sort of looking at, you know, the next three, four game weeks saying, I'm going to be doing this move then and then I'm going to bring bring in this player in because he's got this game and then I'm going to be selling this player because, you know, he's playing Arsenal, just an example again. And then you actually go back to it and you think, hold on a second, Arsenal have been terrible defensively in the last three game weeks um, whilst perhaps in the circumstance Hazard scored, you know, three games in a row. So maybe I won't sell Hazard now and maybe I'll actually stick with it. But that's just an example, perhaps, of, you know, when the plans can be moulded. It's, it's, it's very good. To, and it's always a good idea to have a plan and an idea of where you're going. Um, but you have to kind of review the bigger picture at the end of the day and, and see and, you know, change your plan if, if a player is looking good. You know, like Felipe Anderson perhaps did perform really well. He didn't get any returns, but he definitely had a number of chances. Maybe it's worth considering um, holding on to him whilst Richardson did, you know, perform pretty badly. So if you own Richardson and Felipe Anderson, you might have originally planned to sell Anderson and switch to uh, to sell Richardson. I'm not too sure I'd be selling Richardson though. I mean, he did look pretty dangerous. They had a shock killer for line for the second week in a row. Mm-hmm. 
and he is doing pretty well in terms of the shot metrics. It's just he doesn't seem to be attuned to that central role, does he? Doesn't no, have an it's, it's sec- second half season syndrome, isn't it? With um, Richardson after I think he spent the entire second half of the season uh, at Watford not scoring at all. So hopefully that doesn't happen with him again. Still top, for example, with last six game weeks for shots in the box of 16. That's head and shoulders above. Oh, it's your man, actually, Willian in second, who you tipped on last week's pod and subsequently scored. Um, he's had also um, the second most big chances in the last six. Um, so, you know, you've, you've definitely got a case there to keep hold of him. At 6.9 with the fixtures for Everton ahead, like they've got Southampton, Huddersfield, Wolves and Watford next four. So they're, they're all fairly winnable fixtures for them. You've got to hope that 2-0 gives them some coherence because they were looking a little bit uh, a little bit stilted, a little bit kind of uh, stodgy before uh, before the game week. But it wasn't the best of performances. So you've got to hope that in the next game, they uh, they really turn it around because you were expecting a bit more from, from the Everton assets during that game. Although Luca Dean, of course, uh, did a very, very good performance. Um, for me, I think it is about I've got to be better at <coughs> picking out the form. Like I went all the way to sticking with the plan over Christmas and yeah, I should have just brought in Salah a lot quicker. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a fine line between risk and reward that managers have to tread and trying to get the balance right is, is an internal kind of issue for us. And sometimes you do get it right, sometimes you do get it wrong. And uh, you know, sometimes, uh, as uh, with Nick's kind of example uh, this season, doing nothing is actually the best thing to be doing. All right, next question then, Nick, uh, with uh, City winning 3-0 tonight. Um, it's a topical question. FPL Logic asks about Kun as a Kane replacement. Perhaps not so much now that he was resting. Gabriel Jesus scored two goals. And uh, I guess generally we should talk about whether City are uh, worth a look again. With a lot of their options now, um, you know, Sterling and Sane, for example, are hovering around the 10% ownership mark. These are huge differentials, aren't they, for people? Yeah, for sure. And I'm 100% actually um, considering uh, looking in a Manchester City uh, direction uh, this game week in terms of my transfers. Uh, perhaps Sterling would be the one that I would recommend um, most out of all. But there's also um, Leroy Sane, of course, who I think is a great pick. Uh, you know, we all saw Aguero annihilate Huddersfield at the beginning of the season. And if anything, Huddersfield actually look at even weaker now. Um, They've just announced tonight, actually, that the uh, the manager, David Wagner, is um, leaving. And I think that's going to sort of really, really expose them. But, you know, uh, with Aguero, he, he was supposedly out, out of the game because of sickness, whether he comes back in next game, but he was on the bench still. And uh, it depends, you know, whether he comes back in next game week after Jesus' uh, brilliant performance is it, a... It's a a dangerous question. I don't. I don't know if I'm willing to, to risk a transfer on Aguero if I'm not sure he's going to start. I'm sure that Jamie Jackson will have a tweet to send uh, <laughs> on Friday, and I, I'll be like, Friday, I'm in love bringing Aguero. But uh, we'll have to see for now. I think for me, still, I'm looking at the midfielders, uh, Sterling and Sane, as uh, my two picks for Manchester City. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, Sterling's definitely going to be played a lot more later. They were a slump in form recently, but Pep really can't afford to rest his best players. And Sterling is uh, squarely one of those. Um, after tonight's performance, they've um, got Huddersfield, Newcastle and Arsenal in the next three. That's decent enough to, if you are kind of looking to to make a difference in your mini leagues, to be looking at certain players in the Man City team. Um, yeah, I probably agree with you that um, Sterling is a good idea. Sane for a short term might be a good idea as well. Keeping our Mendy though. Gabriel Jesus Jesus is an interesting one though, Nick. 10.1 million. He scored two braces in a row. And uh, interesting enough for Jesus, he's actually third. The big chances missed this season. One of my favourite stats of 11 chances missed. Cool. So you've got, to be think- you've got to be thinking that he just needed that little bit of confidence perhaps to-, to get the conversion that we're seeing now. But I mean, if Jesus has uh, got the gig, like, would you have a look at it? And indeed, you know, 
with Pet Roulette, like, do you want to get involved again? I know you've got no City players, same as me at the moment. Yeah, I'd definitely consider it. I mean, Jesus also scored um, four goals midweek. It's, it's worth mentioning against uh, against Burton in the League Cup. And yeah, he's definitely looking on form. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he started in the next game week for sure. You know, and at 10.1, you know, he, he does look a brilliant pick. But like you said, Pet Roulette is, is that risk. I mean, no team has had more goal attempts um, this season for Manchester City with over 366 at this moment. You know, KDB and Mares were both benched. KDB seems to have actually fallen out with Pep, which is a bit of a worry for fans of KDB. But then he, he came off the bench and, and still managed to pick up an assist. And uh, yeah, there's plenty of options in that team. But there is always that risk that that option you pick isn't necessarily going to start. But the next couple of fixtures for Manchester City, you've got Huddersfield and Newcastle before it gets tougher again with Arsenal and Chelsea. I think it is worth taking a gamble and bringing in the likes of Sterling and Sane. If only if sort of you can fit it into your team. And a lot of people with the Kane injury and it looking like Kane's out, there is an opportunity to bring in another premium premium midfielder again or premium striker. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. That's what I was thinking was behind the the, the Jimenez buyers because at least that means you're making the money, making the space. So it's looking like kind of having Salah, having Hazard, and having Sterling as part of a power midfield three. Pogba too, actually, um, is is looking like uh, you could have a no, you could have a power four, couldn't you? So yeah. Then have Rashford as well and a decent defence. Exactly, it's what, it's what it lets you do at the moment, which is which is quite cool. Um, I don't know about Kun though. I think after him not playing tonight, you've got to be on rotation rotch with him and you've got to be thinking that the early season uh, solidity in the team is, is all over there. Next question then, Nick, and it's about uh, enablers. Um, so Charles Hazel, your mum's athletic from FFS, asks, who are the top enablers at the moment? Uh, suggesting FFS Joe's man, uh, Jason Punchin, at uh, 4.2. Um, Ashe Meta also suggests uh, Dwight McNeil. Um, so who are the cheaper guys that you're potentially going to be looking at if you do, if you are in a situation where you need to get an enabler in, for example, I don't know, trying to get Mo Salah in? So there are a few picks out there. I mean, Punch at 4.2. So, yeah, Punch, and if he's continuing to play, and uh, then he's potentially a, a decent enabler that I know you, you mentioned on Twitter as well. Uh, but in terms of the, the sort of the picks that will kind of get you those two, three points at least every game week, my favourites are Camarasa um, at 4.6. And with 33 chances created, it's actually more than anyone else at that price point. And then, um, you know, good old Phil Billing as well. Um, he's had more goal attempts than any other midfielder. His price for 36. He's also got two goals to his name. And he's been unlucky, actually. Um, every time I watch him, he seems to rattle the crossbar with a, a shot from distance. So, um, yeah, those are kind of the ones that I would sort of recommend, I guess, at, at the cheaper end. For myself, I, I actually had enough budget to, to bring in uh, David Brooks, who I really like as well at 5.0. Um, he's a real exciting prospect in the Premier League um, and was unlucky to return um, having hit the post against Everton um, in the last game week. Yeah, I think so. I think you know the reason I, I put... Um punching on this because if you are in a situation where you're buying well-owned players in at top whack so you know you've you own seller at 13.0 and when i'm buying him at 13.4 you need to have a, a different sort of player to a camarasa to make it all work for you and pay that deficit and you pay the difference so you are paying for a player to get you two points in in uh punching but 
at 4.2, two points per game as value. The only one I'd also pick out is Hoiberger, uh, Southampton, back from suspension now, 4.4. Um, does like a, the odd howitzer. And he's had uh, seven attempts in the last six game weeks. Um, considering he's been absent for a couple, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's a level with the likes of uh, Lingard and your man David Brooks. So long range kind of shots, but a 4.4, you could hope to get something off the bench every now and again. They've got a decent fixed run and he seems kind of pretty nailed in that team as a box-to-box kind of guy. Um, but yeah, punch him for me if, if I need the money. Yeah, fair play. Um, so, so next questions um, about Alonso. We talked about him a little bit more, um, a little bit earlier, but FPL Rasmus asks for our Alonso replacement. Do we downgrade a little bit and go for the likes of Luke Cadeen or Luke Shaw or a lot and then um, bring in Bednarek to, to free up a lot of funds? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? So with with Alonso, it, it depends on your team situation. We'll say that all the time. So with that all said and done, uh, with Alonso, a lot of people may be in the spot now where you need to try to make 0.1, 0.2 available in order to pull off the moves you want to pull off. Uh, for me, that's certainly the case uh, with selling Alonso to bring in Van Dijk. Now, th- there is a little bit of reasoning behind why I bought in Van Dijk over TAA, for example. I just think he's, he is going to play every game. And he has a bonus magnet, Nick. He's actually second baseline bonus uh, this season behind David Luiz. Like, at the start of the season, I kind of had him because I thought that he would be the main target for a lot of Liverpool's uh, set pieces. It didn't really turn out that way. But now it's looking like he's uh, yeah, having an attempt every game, the pass completion, the CBI and things like that. I mean, that he is uh, he's, he is racking up the bonus. So as long as Robbo doesn't do anything, he's uh, he's looking like the kind of the, the second best asset there to own, I guess. And I couldn't quite stress the Robbo, so I, I brought in Van Dijk. I can kind of see why you get Begnarak if you need the money desperately. 3.9, again, it's like punching territory, isn't it? Like 3.9 for a player who can get you two points every week, why not? But Luca Dean over the next four, I think, would be the one that you probably should be looking at for a, a light for light player to some extent. You know, Southampton, Huddersfield, Wolves and Watford, next four, as I mentioned, good enough. And I think the ownership now is probably reaching a level where you'd be looking at them thinking, yeah, I should probably get that guy in. If not, it's probably going to be TAA if, you've, uh, if you need to free up like a million or so. Um, but you're very much in favour of keeping hold of uh, the lusciously locked Marcos, aren't you, Nick? I am in favour of keeping hold of him, but I do understand the, the appeal of selling him, to be honest, especially if it's going to free up funds and, and you're looking of ways to, to finance a big move, perhaps to bring in the likes of Mo Salah and, and it's your only option because the rest of your team is so strong. But uh, I think in terms of the options, you, you mentioned Luca Dean, I've, I talked about him on the last pod, but I'm also actually quite a big advocate of um, TAA, to be honest, Um he, he's part of that Liverpool back line. He's, I think he's quite a key part, though it is worth mentioning Joe Gomez is going to be back from injury very soon um, and he could be rotated again in that right-back slot, but maybe not if um, Dejan Lovren continues to have injury problems, which means that Joe Gomez plays in centre-back. But, I mean, Liverpool have just been brilliant um, this season in terms of defence um, with 13 clean sheets so far this season. And obviously Van Dijk has been absolutely brilliant as well and a key part of that um, defence. Uh, with TAA, I, I, I really like his creative force that he is. He's on free kicks. Um, he's got a goal and three assists to his name as well. And he's only 5.2, which I think is really appealing um, in terms of him. Him, So I think, yeah, definitely for me, I think it's a case you can double up on the Liverpool defence as well. Um, as you saw, the guys in the mini league have done that and, and they're doing brilliantly for it. I obviously worry about people selling Marcus Alonso, especially with his ownership. I know now, especially now Tom's sold him on a minus eight. I can just see him next weekend mm. sit, sitting in a corner saying, boys, don't cry. Right. Um, let's move on then um, to to the final question this week, which is before the Son falls. Uh, it's uh, Sumit Bujani and he asks who comes in for Son. And uh, it's definitely something you've been grappling with. So I'll let you take it away. 
Yeah, I've, I've kind of been experimenting with quite a few um, moves, to be honest. So I don't really have a, a, a decent answer, I'm afraid, to meet at this moment in time because I'm not too certain myself. Because uh, you could either, I mean, it depends a lot on the rest of your team. For me, I'm. it's quite critical, it feels like, to bring in Rashford. So there are, there are two options in terms of how I bring in Rashford. One, I could sell, I could go for the perhaps the, the less risky approach and, and sell Danny Ings um, for uh, Rashford. And also because I've got Son, sell Son. And that gives me about a six million pound budget or 6.4 million in total. And around that price point, the, the one that I was really looking at and quite keen on was um, Roberto Pereira. Um, yeah, Tom gave quite a really good speech about Pereira last game week, actually, which I um, would recommend you listen to if you haven't already. But he, he's been uh, Watford's talisman for sure this season. He's been pretty, um, you know, pretty key asset, um, done really well, six goals and four assists to his name so far. And, they, and they're also playing Burnley at home next game week. Uh, and Burnley have been one of the weakest defences in the league this season. They, they've been pretty poor. Um, and uh, yeah, I can I can definitely see attacking returns for Pereira. Um, in the cheaper options, you've got Nasri, who we saw in the market forces, possible option at five point five. And I know you're also quite a big fan of um, Deo Lafeo, Tom, as well at the same price, and who's been performing pretty well in um, the last few game weeks uh, for Watford. The uh, the other option that I mentioned that I'm thinking about and grappling with is um, is selling Aubameyang actually. Um, and this way, if I sell Aubameyang to Rashford. That frees up a lot of money and, and enables me to get in Sterling because I do want to, and I really like the idea of covering Manchester City for that um, game against Huddersfield. So in terms of a premium asset, a premium swap, you can look at that sort of thing and think, actually, I could make this a bigger move and sell Son and get in um, an expensive um, Manchester City player and then downgrade. If you own Kane and he's injured, you could downgrade Kane. Um or you could downgrade Aubameyang to, to Rashford if you don't own him. But that, that's kind of my my path at the moment. I know there's also other Spurs options as well that people talked about. Um, Lamello and Lucas Moura. Um, I'm not too sure because they've got quite a nice fixture against Fulham up next. I'm not too sure about that personally, to be honest. Um, I do worry that Spurs are going to be um, slightly weaker in in the midfield. And I'm, not, and I'm not convinced that those guys have it have what it takes to sort of to get, you know, halls in FPL, I'd probably be looking more at maybe Deli Alley and Christian Eriksen if you, if you really were looking to to still cover Spurs. Yeah, definitely. I think with um, with Sissoko going out injured, I think the worry with Eriksen would be that he kind of falls a bit deeper into the deep line playmaker role. Um, with Ali, though, there's definitely something there. Like, I've always been an Ali man. I've uh, always remembered, for example, he got a hat-trick of braces a couple of years ago and I brought him in and captained him against Chelsea for a brace, which was obviously delicious. And there's five very good fixtures to come. Put them away, Watford at home, Newcastle at home, Leicester at home and Burnley away. And, uh, you know, in the past, um, it's been seen that when Kane's been out, Ali has been the man to step forward, play that shadow striker role. And he definitely was a lot more advanced to the eye, wasn't he, uh, this week uh, against United. So, you know, a little bit better finishing, uh, less amazing performance from De Gea. And you could easily get a hat full there. And it could be a bit of a template breaker, that couldn't it, to some extent, if he does take on that kind of role. Yeah, definitely. And I think the other advantage of Ali for the next few game weeks, at least, is he's going to be nailed because Son's going to be not playing as well. Kane's potentially not going to be playing. You know, Ali's going to be one of the key men, one of the key talisman for Spurs in the next game week, next few game weeks. And if they can maintain their form and he links up well with Ericsson, he could be a really decent pick. So, yeah, he'd definitely be one that I would kind of look at as, as a template breaker. And, you know, if you get on Ali 
early and quickly, you could see yourself jumping up those ranks. He's only, yeah, because Ali's only 2.9% owned, so like hardly any anyone owns him. And, you know, he hasn't had the greatest season FPL-wise, only four goals and two assists to his name, you know, far below what he got in 2016-17, where he was the second highest scoring midfielder with 18 goals and 11 assists, second only to, to Alexis Sanchez. So we, we do know that he's got in his locker for brilliant FPL performances. Um, hasn't sort of worked out for him so far this season, but, you know, I definitely wouldn't write him off as a player and I'd certainly consider him as an option. Oh, definitely not. All right, then, cool. Uh, let's move on then. Uh, so, transfers and captions, you've already mentioned you're uh, you're dealing with a son issue at the moment. You're not too sure where you're going to go. It'd be interesting to see where you kind of land on by Friday. Uh, for me, it's uh, I've taken the minus eight already. Um, yeah. And uh, I've brought in, uh, uh, just to mention again, uh, Van Dyke, Salah, Etheridge and uh, Rashford. And I've removed uh, Kane, Martial, Alonso and Fabianski. So watch for that to hit me by 40 points <laughs> next week. Uh, Salah, Salah perma-captain though. Um, so hopefully it will all work out eventually, right? It's got to. Um, there's a theme every week. Last time it was wrestling, of course, with the excellent Adam Hopcroft. Apologies for laying it on a bit thick. And uh, Jeremy Lewis in Hong Kong uh, got that first through the Asian Advantage. I uploaded that on midnight on Sunday and he got it within about 20 minutes. So yeah, a bit unfair, but not, nonetheless, uh, well done. Yep, um, sure. Well done, Jeremy me and just to reiterate who we are we are who got the assist you can find us on twitter um, at wgta underscore fpl online that's who got the assist.com and if you want to join our league the league code is 516-441 cool we'll be joined next week uh, by ryan from fancy yurma uh, from northern ireland i'll be doing my uh, my best to pronounce that properly throughout the podcast otherwise you'll get very annoyed with me doubtless it'll be good fun and we're really looking forward to it but for now we hope to assist you and we'll speak to you next week goodbye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist Podcast Network.